a question, and I'm looking for an answer. Actually, I want you to call it out. And it doesn't matter if you're young or old or somewhere in between. All of us are in between, right? Uh, I want you to call out this answer uh, when I ask you this question. And here's the question. If you could have dinner with anybody tonight, living, passed away, present times, past times, it doesn't matter. If you could have dinner with anybody, who would you love to have dinner with? Give me some answers. Let's hear it. Your grandma, I heard that. What was that? Jim. God bless you. Who else? Pastor Aaron. Pastor Aaron, that's a good dinner, let me tell you. <laughs> Hot dogs and chips for sure. <laughs> Thanks. Who else? What have we got? Who would you love to have dinner with tonight? Corey Tenboom, that's a great answer. Anybody else? Weird Al. Weird Al. <laughs> That was not expected. Expect the unexpected. We're going to talk about that later. Man, a number of years ago, I was starting at the police station as their chaplain, and a good friend of mine, a really good man, some of you might know him, at least I know one person here knows him, his name's Sean Davis. He's the regimental sergeant major. He was taking me on a tour of the station, and as we were going on a tour, he would ask these questions to kind of lighten the mood and, and to kind of build a bridge between myself and some of the members, and he said, that question, who would you love to have dinner? with tonight. And I had to think about it, and I came up with these answers. The first was the queen. And there's things about the monarch that aren't great. There's things that are okay. But the queen's been a leader in some really interesting times, like really interesting moments in history. And I just thought that would be an interesting conversation. And then the next one, I was like, you know what? I would love to have dinner with my grandfather. He passed away in 2012. He's an amazing man, a humble man, a simple man, just a farmer from Southeast Saskatchewan but left a massive impression on my life. And then, of course, as I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? I'd love to have a meal with Jesus. As we were getting ready for uh, this sermon series a couple of months ago, and we were praying into it, uh, one of the areas of life that I just love to be at, and I'm so thankful. Well, not thankful. I'm humbled that you said you want to have a meal with me because I love to eat with people. And I love to talk about the fun things and the exciting things, but I also love to talk about the big things. Like, what's God doing in our world? What's, what's something that's happening inside of me that I'd love to have clarity on or love to understand more or even have an answer? As I started to think about that, I thought, man, I bet you there's so many other people in our church, so many other people in our world that would love to have a slow meal with Jesus and just talk and have a meaningful conversation about real-life issues and real-life things. So this morning, and for the three weeks that follow, we're going to do a sermon series called Meals with Jesus that I hope will provide some clarity or understanding or even some answers about some real-life things that we work through. And I was thinking and praying, like, Lord, what are we going to talk about in this series at least what am I going to talk about? Because in the, in the coming weeks, we have three other speakers that are going to come share with us. And I just thought there was a number of things, but as I was kind of considering the days that we live in and just feeling frustration and angst and even grief in my heart that, man, life should be so different in these days, especially coming out of COVID, we're supposed to have a new normal. I started to think maybe that's the question. And if I was sitting here in Jesus is at his seat right now, but if he was at his seat right now, I'd just look at him and I'd say, Jesus, why is life so hard? 
As I prayed about that, God led me to Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 28. And I want to invite you to take your Bible, or if you're online, you can open up. There's an online Bible, or you can open your device no matter where you're at. And I'd love for us just to take some time this morning to talk through this passage, to have some clarity and understanding about these days that we live in, and to hopefully get a perspective uh, so that we're not living in defeat, but that we're living with maybe courage and strength despite really difficult times. Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read it for us, and then uh, we're going to talk it through. And I'm going to stand. I love to read God's word as, we st- as I stand together. Why don't you stand with me, and we can receive God's word. Stretch out your legs, and uh, just one last time, and we can read this together. Romans chapter 8, my dear friends, I give you God's word. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but the will of the one who subjected it. And hope that creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait patiently for it. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts know the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who being called according to his purpose. You may be seated. I was driving through Lethbridge this last week, actually, I was driving through Lethbridge late last night, and it just becomes more and more apparent all the time, it seems, that life is just really a struggle, isn't it? If you drive through our streets and you just lift up your head, you can kind of sense the frustration in this world, or if you walk through the mall or you sit in the park, you go to a restaurant, it just feels like there's tension that's in the air. And as we come into a time that's supposed to be the new normal, what is feeling more normal, you know, 20 years ago wasn't normal at all. The earth, it seems, and humanity, it seems, is groaning. And what used to be exceptional just now seems to be almost status quo. I heard a news report this week as I was driving home one day, and it was talking about the rains that are taking place in southern Florida. And it wasn't like a five-year rain or a 10-year rain. They were calling it a 1,000-year rain, whatever that means. And just acknowledging that it was a really tough time. Our crime rates are up. Our relationships are breaking. We're struggling even with things in, in religion. And statistically, we're seeing over and over and over again that struggle has become the norm, that struggle is on the rise. And it's not something that we're terribly familiar with, is it? For so long, it seems that life was pretty comfortable, at least here in North America. As we've had experiences to kind of look over the horizon as we talked about in that offering and have opportunity to witness other parts of the world, we soon discover that actually what we've been experiencing in North America has been the exception, not the norm. 
That for most of, of time, maybe all of time, because of sin and because of the work of the evil one, the earth has been groaning. And while it becomes an inconvenient rhythm for us to, uh, to live in a frustrating time, I believe it's more important than ever that we have uh, introspection or we have a perspective on the value and the purpose of the struggles that we live in here on earth. Because I think it points us to something better. Paul in Romans 8.18 gets right down to business. And as he does so, um, he says these words, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. As he acknowledges this, he acknowledges the days that we live in, this time between the resurrection of Jesus that we talked about last week in 1 Corinthians 15 and the second coming of Christ. We're living in this, in this kind of waiting pattern or this holding tank, this stopover, if you will, between our own creation and the place that we're going to. This isn't our forever home, friends. And yet for too long, and at least in the North American context, we've lived in the comfort. In fact, I believe we've even idolized the comfort that we've lived in, which has caused us to settle and get rooted in a place that we were never meant to be rooted in. We're not living necessarily in what Galatians 1.4 talks about, uh, an evil time or an evil age, but instead we're in this waiting zone, a stopover. A peculiar time is what the Greek translates into, where, much like Big Brother Canada would tell us, we can expect the unexpected, we can expect hard things, we can expect challenge, and we can expect struggle. And so it should come as no surprise as we start this passage, and Paul says um, that the, the creation waits in eager expectation, that there's this longing inside of our heart. There's an unsettledness within these days that, that we're living in because this isn't our forever home. Jesus has so much more for us. In fact, he's leading us. He's taking us to a place that when we get there, that settledness will arrive in our hearts. It will finally land and our souls will rest. And you know what, friends, as I have perspective on this, it helps me so much because it causes me not to, to, to rest or, or not rest, but not to um, settle in the struggle. But instead, in my groaning and my frustration, it causes me to look forward towards God and towards heaven and have confidence to know that, that there's so, something so much better to come, that there's a different quality of existence that Jesus has for us, and we haven't found it yet. As I said, I think for too long we've idolized comfort in our culture, and as we search for something more, it's never going to be satisfied here on earth. But instead, as we journey forward, day by day, moment by moment, season by season, we're going to step closer to the spot that Jesus has for us. And I think Jesus told us all through the scriptures, he, or he leads us to, to kind of have this perspective that we're not at our final destination, we're not home. I think back to some key verses that Jesus has given me in life. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, be strong and courageous, he says, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, it says. Don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart, for I am your God. I will help you, and I will uplift you with my victorious right hand. 
The prophets seem to know, they seem to lead us forward, that we are on a journey in life. We haven't arrived at our final destination. Instead, we're just at the stopover, and that there's better days to come. I hope this doesn't insult anybody, but I was thinking of it this week. I was like, it's kind of like driving through Chetwin, BC, or Dawson Creek, BC. It's not really a place you want to spend a lot of time in. As you're picking up a coffee there, it's like, man, I got to get out of here and get to someplace better. Maybe that's what you Oilers fans feel like. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you can go worship your McSavior. No, that's, that's a whole other sarcastic thought. That was terrible. I'm sorry. Jesus has something more for us. And the perspective that's helpful for me is that over time, we step closer and closer to our forever destination, our forever home, and we can know that this is only for a little bit. We can endure. We can make it through. We can take heart. We can have courage because our souls reveal to us that Jesus has more. And listen, I get it. These days are hard. These days are frustrating, but they're not defeated days. Jesus is leading us to somewhere better. Have you ever been in a difficult conversation at the dinner table? Today, uh, our son Jaden turns 15. And uh, Sawyer Strongs, I know he's in the room next door. He's turning six today. Cole Iwasa, Wednesday has a birthday. And you're turning what, 22? It's going to be awesome. I remember so many times sitting at the table and having amazing times with my family. My, you know, the family I grew up with, my family now. But when the hard conversations came, oh, friends, it was usually around the table that those conversations took place. I remember coming home and trying to butter my parents up, like, oh, man, I had the best day at school. These greatest things happened. Like, we played floor hockey in gym. We played kickball at recess. And my mom's like, yeah, and your report card came home today. Whoo. That was a difficult conversation. I remember goofing around with my friends and we were playing in a gravel pit in Northwest Calgary and somebody, I won't say who, somebody threw a stone and it smashed a window on a backhoe. I had to tell my parents that I'd messed up. I remember sitting down in 1994, in June of 94. My dad came home from work. He let, my know, let me know that my grandma had passed away. It's so often the case that when we have difficult conversations at the table, friends, I want you to think about this. What's your posture as you sit here and hear hard things? Or even, if, even more than that, as you share hard things. Well, it's not to keep your head up and look like this. It's to kind of bury ourselves. And it's been so often the case, even in recent days, when things are hard, when there's struggle taking place, that... I kind of assume a posture of, a defeated posture, kind of looking down at the plate and kind of fidgeting with the things that are on the table rather than looking up and reflecting on and remembering the relationship that I have with my family and friends and with my Savior. And I think similarly in life as Christians, so often it's the case that when we live in hard and frustrating days, when we live in days that feel like they're defeated, we can assume a head-down posture. Our culture's lied to us to believe that all we have to do is put our head down and power on forward. We just have to work harder. We have to try and do better. We have to figure out a way to get through, and we will get through. We're just gonna, we're gonna put our head down, and we're gonna find our way. And I don't think this was ever the posture that Jesus intended for us in life. 
Jesus doesn't want us to live in defeat with a head down posture, with eyes on the table. He wants us to lift our heads and to look to him and he wants to help us as he lifts us in the days of struggle. So you can tell I'm not much of a runner, but for those of you who are, when you run over the long distance, where are you looking? If you look at your feet and your toes and you start to run forward, I'm told anyways, it's likely that you're going to fall over your feet and trip and fall down. Here's something I've done a lot of. I've cut a lot of grass in my life. And as you push the lawnmower, if this was the space we were cutting, if I, if I don't look at the doors, if I don't look at the horizon, if I don't look at the slit in the fence at the end of the yard, but I just watch the wheels, what's going to happen to the line that I cut? I'm going to go off course. I'm going to get crooked. I'm going to probably end up in the garden somehow and, walk and, and drive through the, the, the dog manure. But when I keep my head up and when I look, when I look forward, when I look at the destination or when I look at, at something, I fix my eyes on something across the room, it's then that I cut the straight lines. When I'm on the trail, seldom happens, but I'm told when you're on the trail and I look forward or you look forward, it leads us forward to better places. It leads us forward to the destination. Friends, we can live in defeat or we can live in victory. We can focus on the trees or we can see the forest. Our struggles and our frustrations present us with opportunities not to look down, but to look up. And it's been so often the case, and Pastor Scott has been so helpful for me to understand this. Uh, he's told me over and over again, and he said to our staff over and over again, that in the moments of defeat, we have opportunities to either shake our fist at God and move away and walk away, or we can draw close to God. And I believe this passage leads us to the latter. It's to help us understand that we have a helper in our times of struggle and we just have to look up. We just have to reach out because God is already there. Jesus is already there. This passage tells us that the Spirit is there helping us and working with us to lift us to have courage and hope in really, really hard times. And these are days that are hard. I'll share with you that I think there's a lot more struggle to come. And unless we lift up our heads, unless we look at the one who's going to help us to journey through, we're going to be finding out ourselves that on the pathway of life, we're going to stumble and fall. It makes me think about Peter in Matthew chapter 14 when he and the disciples are, are riding in the ship or the boat through the Sea of Galilee. And as they're journeying through, there's a storm that's taking place. And they, they've got some sort of rescue, some sort of protection in that storm. They were mildly comfortable at best. And in the middle of the storm, they lift up their heads and they see the unbelievable. They see Jesus who's walking towards them. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me. How did Jesus find us in this? It feels pretty familiar, doesn't it? And as they lift up their heads and, and Jesus sees them, I'd have to think he's got that big dumb smile on his face. And he's like, hey boys, I'm over here. Peter, why don't you come join me in the midst of the storm? And he invites Peter to step over the boat, which is crazy. Jesus invites us to do strange things in hard seasons. 
And as Peter steps over the boat, what does he do? He takes his eyes off of Jesus and he starts to look at the waves. And in a moment of, in a moment of panic, he starts to sink. And as he sinks and as the water starts to splash in his face, maybe he got a mouthful of salty water. As he starts to take on water, instead of looking down and drowning in that moment, he looked up and in a desperate plea, he reaches his hand out to Jesus. And he calls out to him and he says, Jesus, save me. And the Lord lifted him. Very similarly in our lives, when we struggle through life and as we live with frustration, when we call out to God, friends, we find hope because we find that like a good father sitting at a table, Jesus is going to reach out his hand and maybe he's even going to come around the table and as we share with him our burdens and our frustration, as we share with him our struggles, he's going to gently put his hand under our chin and he's going to lift up our eyes. It helps so much to know that we don't journey alone through seasons like, like this one that we're living in. It helps so much to know and to trust in the promises that Jesus gave to us and that we know from the Old Testament prophets. It helps so much to know that while life is it feels like it's defeated, it's not. It's just discouraged for a little bit. That the lift of another life can transform a moment. The lift of another life, literally the hand under the chin of a good, good father can give us perspective and hope and it can help us to, to settle our feet on solid uh, a foundation again and to walk forward to the better place that Jesus is taking us. He told us that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He will walk with us. He'll lift us. He'll remind us of his character. We'll be reminded of, of his goodness. And it comes as we lift up our eyes and as we, as we draw close to God. It comes in moments like this when we get together and we worship Jesus in our churches. It comes, and we're going to talk about this more in a moment, as we sit at tables with other believers and say, take heart, have courage, don't worry. Jesus has something better, and it's just around the corner. The beauty of times like these days that we're living in and times like this is that it, as we sit at the table as Christians, as we sit at the table with Jesus, we are reminded that we're not alone in the season. And friends, it's the lift of another life that so often helps us get through the brutal seasons that we live in. We see here... In verse 26, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes through wordless groans. In some commentaries, it's said in like, in like uh, uh, how do you say it? Inaudible. Like we can't even understand what's taking place, but somehow as we lift up our gaze to God and he gives us perspective and he gives us courage in ways that we can't even understand, God will move in our lives. He'll hear the groans of the Holy Spirit. He'll seed into our heart hope. He'll, give, he'll help us to, to have trust again. He'll put a firm foundation under our feet. And it says, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God and it helps us to understand that it's not just going to be something that we'll get through and then it's going to be another hard season. No, what does, what does he say here? Back to verse 23 for a moment. We're going to see that the, the, the groans will lead us towards the gospel work of Christ. The transforming work that will help us to understand that we are adopted, that our bodies will be redeemed, that we will be restored, that our feet will be put on firm foundation again, and that longing, that groaning in our heart will be set aside, and the frustration will be set aside, and our hearts will be satisfied. 
as we someday get to heaven and our souls can rest. Friends, we're not at the end of ourselves. And while so often this season, we can't even articulate why it is that we're living with holy discontent. Jesus knows these things because the Spirit tells him these things. And he moves in our lives and he helps us in our lives. He provides clarity and understanding that we're not in our final destination. He provides a lift that will seat us with hope. And he stretches our mind to look past our our present circumstances. And to be reminded that he is moving, he's blessing, he's already considered our story and our lot in life, and he's figured out the solution. He's been doing it in the, in the he's, he's, he's developed this plan since before creation. And he works in our lives every single day, not to bring us happiness or not to release us necessarily from the moment that we live in, but to bring holiness to our lives. And to work in our lives, to form us in our lives, knowing that he's never done with us. You know, this passage ends not in verse 28, but actually at the end of chapter 8. And I think it gives us a picture for this work that Jesus wants to do in us. Yes, he's going to provide... He's going to provide a lift for the moment, but even more than that, as we live into the victory of that song that we sang, the battle belongs to the Lord, garden into graves, as we made those declarations, we're really declaring what we, what we long for Jesus to do. Beauty from ashes, gardens from graves. Look what he says here. Jump ahead with me. We didn't read this, but jump ahead with me to verse 37, because look what Jesus is going to do in this season and in this moment. He says, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That is so important. We can lift each other. We can be encouraged. But it's through Jesus that it won't just be an encouragement. We're actually going to conquer this season. We're going to conquer these moments. We're going to live in victory. Not in, in all of these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced, this is so important, that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing is going to break us. Nothing is going to defeat us. Nothing is going to hold us back. When we focus on Jesus, when we rest in, this, in, in, the, in his work, when we move forward in the season, knowing that God is something that's so much more, we will live in victory. And I need you to hear this. Because friends, I've had the moments with you. I don't have this all figured out. There's been moments when I've wanted to give up, moments when I've wanted to move away, moments when Texas looked a whole lot better than Alberta. And Jesus is like, no, brother, I've got you exactly where I want you. And as he's got us exactly where he wants us, I believe that we have uh, not only uh, a perspective of the season and this time that we live in, but it gives us purpose in this time that we live in. That this message isn't something that's just going to be held for ourselves. Friends, this is good news. Good news for all people that Jesus is on the throne. That he's got things under control. That he's going to lead us forward to even better days. And yeah, this season might leave us a little bit bruised, but it doesn't have to rob us of hope. We can work with it and we can trust, that God, we can trust God because we know his promises. Like this one, that Romans 8 is true. So as we finish our time here today, I just want to talk for a moment about a next step that we can take. 
In a moment, we're going to sing a song that we've sung before. It's called The Blessing, and I think it's an opportunity to lift our hands and to engage deeply with Jesus here this morning. And I've been praying, and I want to ask you to engage with him deeply because I think he's got so much for us, a lift for us here today. And then I think we've got a calling as a church to go out into this world and to do something with this good message and this news that he's given to us. And so here's how I want you to set the table for the next week, literally. As we go from church here this morning, you're going to receive one of these cards. And on the cards on the back is a recipe. This is a really great recipe. Uh, I felt like for copyright reasons, we shouldn't put it on there, but I'll just speak it, which is maybe the same thing. I don't know. Just put up with my nonsense. But on the back is Joanna Gaines beef stew recipe. And I'd love for you to take this recipe. This is really good stew. I'd love for you to take this recipe, go home and set the table and make this stew for someone you love. Someone who maybe isn't walking closely with Jesus these days. Somebody who maybe isn't walking with Jesus at all. Um, Take this recipe and make this stew. And then on the back of the card is a question. And over the course of dinner, just like we have a conversation with Jesus and we say, Lord, why is life so hard? And he gives us perspective through Romans 8. I'd love for you to ask this question. I'd love for you to take this question and say, hey, this past week we were just talking to some friends. You don't even have to say it's churchy if you don't want. Just say, I was talking to some friends and we were talking about this. What was the two most important turning points in your life? And as they reflect on that question, as they share, take the opportunity to share yourself. And maybe it would be appropriate. This is my dream. Maybe it's God's dream that he seeded into my mind this week. Maybe it'd be appropriate for you to say, you know what? At a time in my life when things were really hard, I turned to Jesus and he lifted me. And it came, you know, it just, it was a moment where I prayed or it was a season where I just gave up my selfish desires and I just said, Lord, would you, would you come into my heart? Would you come into my life? Would you walk with me? Would you move with me? Would you show me your better way? I think, friends, that in this season of struggle, we have great, a great reason to point people to Jesus. We have the answer. As we have the answer, I would encourage you to take this card, to set the table, to invite somebody over. I know it's a big deal. I know it's hard. You don't have to make stew. You could make something a lot easier. Soup and toast is really easy to make. But as you share with others, let me encourage you that it's just not going to be one or two or three or four or eight people at the table. There's going to be one more who's going to be there with you. Jesus is already at that table as well. And as you share and as you lead a deeper conversation, let me encourage you that the Holy Spirit is going to be working in that moment. And Jesus is going to be working in that moment. The Father is going to be working in that moment, which I would believe is ordained by God to do great things, to accomplish his purposes, to lift another life. Similarly, this morning, I trust that Jesus is lifting you, that the Spirit is working in you, that as you open your hands and as you lift your hands, that you're choosing to embrace the work of God in your life. And I think that as we do, God's going to open hearts, he's going to open minds, and he's going to show us the opportunity to receive from him and be blessed with hope. There's no question that these are messy days. But we're not defeated, friends. We are more than conquerors. We know that in all things, at all times, in all, the, in all ways, God is working for us. Would you pray with me? And then we're going to sing this last song.
Lord Jesus, as we, as we share in this moment of frustration and discouragement, God, I believe you have so much more for us than just a defeated existence. God, I believe that you want us to, to live in the victory. I believe that we, we are conquerors in these days. And God, Satan is going to try to throw so much at us. It's going to try to get us off course. But Jesus, we know that you've defeated death. We know that your plan is greater. We know that nothing can impact us. Nothing can touch us that will pull us away from the love of God or the plan of God. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, Jesus, you fight the battles for us. And so today, Lord Jesus, I pray for us as believers. I pray for us as a church family that we would live into the victory of Jesus, that we would experience the lift of Christ, that we would be touched by Jesus, that we would find hope again, that we would trust in your goodness, and that we would know your goodness. And God, as we set the table this next week, literally for, for people who don't yet know you as Savior and Lord, God, I pray that you would ordain this moment to be special. I pray that it would be ordained to be sovereign. I pray that it would be spirit-filled. And as we ask these questions, God, I pray that it would be just a natural part of the conversation to point people to Jesus. And that as those people receive those words, they wouldn't push back or push away. But instead, they would lean in and say, oh, friend, tell me even more. God, we love you. I pray that you'd lift us. I pray that you'd help us. We can't wait to come home. And I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with us and let's sing together. Fifteen years ago today, you can be seated, I watched as Rolna struggled through the labor pains of giving birth to Jade and the kids got a massive cranium. It wasn't fun, apparently. But you know what? In that moment, God didn't want us to just focus on the pain of the suffering. Instead, he led us forward to the beauty of delivery. And when Jaden was placed on Rolna's chest, it was a glorious moment. And so similarly, friends, I think we could live in the defeat of the crisis of this time, or we'd look forward and say, God is so much more for us. And so I'm pleading with you here today. Don't focus on the storm. Don't mire in the mess. But look forward. And as I think that song just showed to us, there are better days to come. Jesus is calling us, friends, to be the church. The hands and the feet of Jesus in a world that desperately needs him. He's inviting us to look up and to look forward because the best days are yet to come. If you're here this morning and you'd like to pray with somebody or maybe you want to you want to lean into more of what we've been talking about dan is up here at the front he's one of our elders he's a really good guy and he would love to encourage you and pray with you and just share with you And as we go out into this world friends let's go and lean into what jesus has for us the best days are yet to come god bless you we'll see you next week